0: Welcome back, Health Investor. It's time to learn more tips, tricks, and habits for sustaining a healthy diet and lifestyle. My guest today is Diana Cristador, and it's actually kind of crazy because she and I share so many similarities. Not only is she a teacher, and I was a teacher for 12 years, but we both graduated from the same nutrition coaching program called the Institute of Transformational Nutrition, And we're both very anti-fad diets and one-size-fits-all approaches. In our minds, every person's body is different and every person's lifestyle is different. Therefore, every person's approach to nutrition, health, and overall wellness should be unique. When I first connected with Diana on Instagram, I knew that she was going to become an instant social media friend, and that's exactly what happened. I've benefited so much from everything she posts in her feed and her stories, and I know you will as well. If you follow her at diana.cristador, I'll put the link in the show notes, but you'll also really find everything she has to say in this chat. So fascinating. Quickly, I want to share Kim for Puch's five-star Apple podcast review, because as you know, your reviews are my favorite. Kim wrote, So good. Can't wait until the next episode. Very informative in a simple, easy-to-understand format. Simple and easy-to-understand are two of my favorite terms, so thank you so much for saying that, Kim. All right. Without further ado, let's dive right into Diana's and my conversation about nutrition, dieting, and so much more. Hi. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing, you deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing, there are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm gonna share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I wanna help you get healthy for good, without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one, So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Diana. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I've Followed you for quite some time now, and I think we're unique in that we have a very similar background in terms of teaching and working with kids. And then also, we went to the same nutrition school, and we are very aligned on a lot of the things we believe. So I'm super, super excited that you agreed to come on my show
1: today. Hey Brooke, um, I'm also very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, and I think a lot of what you said yeah, rings true for me too. I remember kind of when. I don't know how through some of your posts, I kind of thought like, oh, wow, she's a former English teacher. And I was like, wow, we're so connected on this and on so many other things. Um, so definitely feel like, you know, whenever I see your stuff, it's always very much ringing through for me also. It's so cool. Yeah,
0: because Instagram, I think, can be a blessing and a curse. But <laughs> the really cool part of it is that I've actually met people that I consider to be friends and I speak about them to my husband and I'll say, oh, Diana just said this. And she's (laughs) obviously like, who's Diana? But I'm always like, you remember the one who's a teacher who's also a nutrition coach and trying to catch him up to speed. But I think it's cool that we've connected and I'm happy to be able to chat with you one-on-one today about all of the things. Yes, definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. So can you just start by sharing your background, kind of where – you came from in terms of your own nutrition journey especially and how you ended up becoming a certified transformational nutrition coach? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so I'm actually pretty newly certified within the last few weeks. Um, Congratulations. And- <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, so health and fitness have always been really important to me. Well, for most of my life, at least, they've been really important to me. Um, and I think what's kind of ironic, but also very common is that along with that interest and that passion that I've had, um, I also struggled with my own nutrition and fitness for a good majority of my life. Um, I spent years in the binging and restricting cycle, um, years just feeling like I couldn't trust myself around food if I wasn't dieting, and years just kind of like measuring myself up against these sort of arbitrary markers of fitness, whether they were looks based or performance based. Um, And so I think in some ways, the drive for me to serve and support others in their health journeys sprung from my own struggle and kind of this, I guess, intuitive understanding that there was something better than this kind of struggle that I was in, even if I didn't really always know what it was. Um, so that was kind of where I came to this place to decide to um, enroll in the um, certified, you know, transformational nutrition coaching program. Um, I'm also a teacher, as we mentioned. So I think that in some ways, part of that drive to kind of support and teach others is just sort of who I am. As a person, um, you know, I think when I think back and I think of like what are my most valuable moments in whether it be training, coaching, teaching is seeing others, whether it be students or clients, and after having kind of taught them or coached them, having that or seeing them um, become empowered to really think and do and succeed on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that all kind of ties into what led me here.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can relate to your story a lot of being in this world in my 20s of not knowing exactly what I should be doing or doing everything I thought I should be doing actually, but Mm -hmm. having it not work and then being completely confused. You know, If I'm eating low fat and if I'm working out six times a week and I'm counting calories, why am I still 20 pounds overweight and exhausted all the time and my skin's breaking out and My digestion is terrible. You know, it was just so frustrating not to be able to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I don't know about you, but I talked a lot of it up to my profession because I think teachers are told that that's just part of the job, that you're tired and it's normal to feel like crashing and needing to go to bed at 4.30 p.m. every day, which... I don't think, I mean, the last four years of my teacher after I had really dove into my health journey and Mm -hmm. figured a lot more things out for myself, that wasn't the case at all. So it's sad to me that people in different professions as well, I'm sure, think that of like that's a necessity or that's normal or par for the course that, oh, I'm a teacher. It's normal to feel all these things. Or did you relate to that
1: at all? You know, I think what I... What I relate to in that is kind of hearing like messages like that, and also kind of um you know there's a, a lot of food related um, meetings, events, and things like that when it at least from my experiences in you know my teaching career, and oftentimes, it seems to me that people were always talking about like you know, being good or, or like today was a horrible day. So like, just give me the cookie or give me the cake. And it was kind of this very, like, from the way I perceived it over time, you know, not, not initially, of course, but over time, the way I've I've perceived it is just kind of like this very um, unhealthy relationship between like managing the stresses of the job with, you know, choosing the the food that's going to give you that instant gratification, right. or maybe even like you were saying kind of choosing to kind of like shut it all out or be so tired that you just go home and like, you know, binge on Netflix until it's time for bed. So I think that there's a lot about the job that is very stressful, of course, but there's also not a lot of like, how are we managing this stress in a more healthy way?
0: Yeah, I agree for sure. We would get lunch every once in a while or snacks and it almost felt... Like you had to have it because everybody yeah. was, it's like, oh my gosh, free food and free this. And then later in my career, I would start taking my lunch. And once I started to kind of listen to my body and learn, I don't feel as good when I eat X, so I could choose to have it or not. But I wasn't as sort of indebted to all of the free food that wasn't nourishing my body as much maybe um, that was around all the time. I think that's probably the case at a lot of different workplaces,
1: but yeah, I think um, One of the things that I I mentioned this recently, I think in one of my Facebook lives where I was saying how like no matter what, I have come to a place where I bring my lunch, whether I know I'm getting served lunch or whatever, and I don't do it to try to be like, you know, oh, I'm so healthy and, and you all aren't like that is absolutely not where it comes from. It just comes from this place of like, I don't want typically what is being served for lunch. And so my choice is to eat something that I would, number one, prefer to eat, and number two, will make me feel better than whatever is going to be served. And it's kind of, it's also, I think what you, what you said highlighted for me, that same idea of like, well, everyone's having it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of feel like this pressure of like, well, I don't want to be this person who's like too good for it or something, you know, but I do think that there is something to like, when you commit to your health or to feeling good, you kind of have to, sometimes do those things that might make other people uncomfortable or make you uncomfortable and be different, you know, and just kind of be like, just own it. Like I bring my own lunch, (laughs) you know, like, sorry. Um, And that's kind of something that I had to come to over time also, not feeling pressured to just join in when everyone else was.
0: A hundred percent. And I definitely felt that as well. And even for a while, I don't remember the days, but um, I taught last year, but it seems like ages ago, (laughs) but... (laughs) I think it was Tuesday and Thursdays that we would get lunch and I would start to take my own lunch for the same reasons that I just wanted to eat something different. Or sometimes I would get to the lunchroom and put my lunch aside and put it in the fridge and end up eating it the next day if I chose Mm -hmm. to eat whatever. So I didn't really have any rules about it. I just showed up with a lunch, sometimes ate it, sometimes didn't. But on the days that I did eat it, there were a lot of comments, but I think you mentioned something that... Was very true. It kind of more is a mirror for other people and it makes other people's sort of insecurities about nutrition or their body or what they're eating. It all kind of comes out on you. Mm -hmm. And that is a weird space to be in because these are your coworkers, they're your friends. Mm -hmm. And I remember I'd have almonds and hummus and carrots and hard boiled eggs and an apple or something. Mm -hmm. And somebody would say, Oh, Brooke doesn't eat anything. (laughs) And it's like, wait, what? I'm literally in front of me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I'm actually eating, and I'm getting really full. But then everyone else is eating pizza, so it's like, well, you're not eating pizza, therefore you're not eating anything. And when are you going to eat? And you know, it brings up a lot for people and a lot of comments. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think you know, we're kind of. I mean, I didn't expect to get to this place in this conversation, but I love that we already have. But I think that (laughs) there is a lot that comes with your own health journey and your own choices. And it's uncomfortable. Right. And not being apologetic about it to no. anybody, you know, which I totally was for a while because I felt bad yeah. and I didn't really know how to navigate it. And then, yeah, then I just started showing up and mm-hmm. you know, just owning
1: it and just saying, yeah, I'm going to get this today. I mean, yeah. And I think kind of what that comes from also like how you and I, have both shared that we've struggled for for a long time. And I think when you're in that place of struggle and you try something new, and it may not even be something that you have necessarily thought would be good for you, but you're trying it on for size. And so then when you have to kind of take a stand and say that that's what you're doing in front of other people, I think there's sort of this discomfort because you're like, I don't really know if this works for me. It's not really authentically me. And so you kind of feel this disconnect. And I think that that's sort of what makes people feel most uncomfortable. But then I think when you settle into something that you feel really connected to, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable because it's like, no, like I can just tell you that this is what makes me feel good today to eat this meal. And so it's a lot different from this is this diet and it and it aligns with whatever diet it is that you're trying on.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. Just your confidence kind of shines through just like with anything. Right. Yeah. Um, so I guess the advice would be, even if you are trying something new, just fake it till you make it. Just yeah. <laughs> pretend like you're super confident and then people will kind of back off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you're very anti one size fits all diets just like I am, and a lot of the fads that are out there, I mean, really the nutrition and health space has become pretty tough to manage, I think.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What would you say are some of the messages that are floating around aside from, or if you want to touch on that, the one-size-fits-all diets that really irk you?
1: I I think that in a lot of ways, I've moved away from a lot of these messages over time because I recognized kind of just all like the BS that was really in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I think about like, what are some of these, I'm kind of like, well, if people still think that like women lifting weights is going to make them bulky, well, then I can just tell you that's flat out not true. But like, I don't know if people still think that because I feel like I've sort of moved away from uh, <laughs> a see. lot of the places where they're like purporting those messages. Um so, so, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I will say, though, just because this has kind of, I think, come up pretty recently is this whole idea about fasting and intermittent fasting. I think as it's become more popular and mainstream, I'm starting to hear and see people try to use it as like a cure-all, you know? So instead of sort of dealing with basic foundational things, such as like avoiding processed foods, eating more vegetables, you know, drinking more water, like very basic fundamental things. um, They legitimately just think that like, oh, well, if I just take all of my habits (laughs) around eating and drinking and put them in this eight hour window, then like everything will magically be great. Um, And like, yeah, maybe for some people, because that does count, um, Cut down on their like calorie load, maybe they do lose weight. But like, if we're thinking that like, oh, so you've lost weight and you've just like minimized the time that you're eating, and we're thinking that that equals healthy, well, then like we've totally missed the mark.
0: Right. I think that's a that's a good point. I am personally a fan of fasting for myself, but I don't just use it as a silver bullet, and I don't adhere to it every single day. I do it more days some weeks, not other weeks. But I think you bring up a really good point of just fasting also is not one size fits all or something that you can just Mm -hmm. wash away everything else. I think everybody's always looking for that. And that's why diets have been so popular. It's like, give me the prescription, give me the one thing I can do, give me the supplement or whatever.
1: Right. And I think the thing about fasting that is so attractive for people is that they think that, like I said, that they don't have to um, kind of cut out the things that Mm -hmm they like to eat, or they, you know, they think they don't really have to make changes to what they eat, that if they simply make changes to when they eat, that it's going to change. And for some people who are generally speaking, eating a pretty health promoting diet, that may be true. But it's just that kind of that blanket message that sort of, you know, all people in society are getting and they think that that also pertains to them when their whole diet and even lifestyle could be totally not in line with what is health promoting. So I think it's like just like any other fad diet, you know, everyone thinks like oh like you said this is the silver bullet and no matter what else is happening, this is going to work somehow.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um I also think you brought up something interesting about how weight loss isn't always the barometer of health, right? So we mm-hmm. think, oh, I lost weight, so I'm getting healthy or this is really working. But if you're eating in an eight hour window and you're eating soda and pizza and mm-hmm. a bunch of things that aren't health promoting, then that's not necessarily going to make your organs and everything else function properly. You know, it's not just losing the weight that equals
1: good health. Right, exactly.
0: Uh, what about through your coursework? We did the same coursework. Is there anything mm-hmm. that really stood out to you that you didn't already know that? You learned through the nutrition coaching program?
1: So, you know, for, for a long time, I was very much, um, I, so I, well, let me backtrack. I, um, I pursued a certification in personal training back in 2014. Hmm. So I went through a lot of, you know, learning in order to get that at that point in time. And I've had to recertify it every couple of years. So I've done a lot of kind of like learning with that. Um, I've, been a huge fan of podcasts since kind of like podcasts started. So I've definitely consumed a lot of information over the years when it comes to fitness and nutrition and health. Um, and so a lot of that part, like the sciencey part of our program, seemed pretty much a lot of what I already knew with some additional details here and there. Um, The psychology stuff, again, kind of all made very logical sense to me. Um, And thing was what, one of the reasons that I was drawn to ITN was the fact that they also combined the psychology and the spiritual aspect of everything. Mm -hmm. Because when I looked at my own healing journey, I kind of thought to myself, like, those were two pieces that were really integral into in my healing. Um, So I thought that that really aligned with what I believed in. And so as I was going through the program, it was kind of like I always knew how sort of this spiritual journey was important. And when I say spiritual journey, I mean, like, really developing that connection to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of mindset, would you say? Yeah, a lot of things, a lot of stuff around mindset. um, And also kind of just like being able to cut away the, the chatter that's going on in your mind about like... Well, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Should I look like this? Am I good enough? Like all of that kind of external or all that chatter that comes from the external messages and kind of cutting all of that away to just kind of be in yourself Mm -hmm. and kind of say, like, you know, I am worthy as I am. I am perfectly acceptable as I am. um, And I'm going to work to support that rather than find fault in it and continue to go after external goals. So, That's sort of the way I saw it. And then as I was going through the coursework and kind of just really seeing those direct connections and how it was sort of contextualized in the program was really helpful to me to see how all these pieces can fit together in the coaching model.
0: Yeah, I don't think I ever even would have identified that throughout my own health journey in my late 20s that I was kind of changing my mindset. And maybe Mm -hmm. it was partly because of the program, or I don't know, I became a lot more in tune with my body and I could really recognize when certain things made me feel different ways. And I was used to feeling so amazing that it became more of a intentional choice if I would eat something and think, okay, I may not feel that great in a couple hours, but whatever. Um, but still, even that piece of it, I let go of kind of the shame and the guilt that used to come with eating a piece of pizza or having ice cream or whatever. And just kind of accepting that what I do most of the time matters more than what I do some of the time and life's not worth living unless you allow room for treats and delicious things that you love.
1: I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting, though, because I wonder looking back if I would have just even changed my mindset before even changing anything that I was eating if I would have experienced different results, right. you know, because your thoughts kind of end up determining your actions and mm-hmm. they're so powerful.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I know that for me, it was, it was all, it all kind of like naturally happened altogether. You know, I didn't realize it was all happening, but like you said, like, I think just from kind of being so sick of the dieting thing and, and I really used when I was, young, I really started dieting because I had turned to food as like an emotional coping mechanism. So when I didn't know how to control that, I thought, well, I'll do this diet and I'll work out to like make up for what I ate. And so that was just like, that was a a whole cycle of years and years and years that followed. And so I think it was really like when I kind of was like, this isn't working, (laughs) Something's right. not working here. And so I think that's kind of what drove me to like, okay, let me like explore maybe starting to try to look for the answers inside instead of outside. And I think that's sort of what sparked that kind of reconnection with myself and the mindset stuff. Totally. So you mentioned
0: earlier just kind of health promoting foods and mm-hmm. nourishing yourself. So what would you say, um, what would you say those are for you? <sighs>
1: So like, as far as how do I kind of approach my, my quote unquote, like diet, as far as like what I eat on a daily basis? Is that where you're? Yeah, we can. Yeah,
0: let's get into that. Or yeah, what does a health promoting diet mean to you? So for
1: me, um, I personally have been gluten free, sometimes gluten light, I'll call it um, for a couple years now. Um, And that is because I have for a lot of my life suffered from um, skin issues, mostly eczema. And so I tried going gluten free to see if that would help. Um, And it's funny, because this has been like years in the making. And so sometimes it would help. And I think slowly, I realized that it wasn't just simply about the food I was eating, but it was also about my stress levels and my environment. Um, so like, thankfully I'm now at a place where like it really is a non-issue for me anymore. Um, but I have realized that I think my skin does do better when I don't eat gluten. I think I feel better when I don't eat gluten. So I tend to be gluten free except for, like I said, like there are times when I'll be like, okay, it's somebody's birthday. So I'm going to have a piece of birthday cake or something. Um, you know, so that, that happens sometimes. Um, I try to limit my dairy intake because again, with my digestion, it I feel better when I'm not overdoing it on like milk products and cheese and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then from there, I think because I have part of my background in fitness was um, I was sort of doing more of a bodybuilding approach to working out and I competed in a fitness or a figure show. And so I think I still kind of carry some of that approach with me. So for me, when I build my meals, I always think about my protein. And so I kind of build it around there, like, let me get some quality protein in. Um, And then I try to do a veggie of some sort. I usually do a green veggie and then some sort of carb. And my carb is kind of like my afterthought because for me, if I'm going to probably do what I would be most inclined to do, carbs would be my first thought. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, right, right. Let me get the other two down first. And then I know I'll just add in whatever carb, you know, I want at the time, whether it's the morning and it might be oatmeal or, you know, the lunch and dinner and it might just be. Um, like sweet potato or sometimes like plantain chips if like that goes with my meal. Um, so that's kind of how I approach it.
0: Yeah. So what is your kind of go-to dinner, would you say, or a couple of them? Like how do you organize that on your plate? Um,
1: so usually, and I do, I do do a little bit of meal prepping. Um, so again, for me, what that looks like is I will prep my like my proteins for the week. Um, so for example, this past Sunday, I put um, two packages of chicken breasts in the crock pot because I like chicken in the crock pot. So I did that. Um, I cooked a thing of ground turkey. So I had my proteins and then I bought um, a bunch of vegetables this week. So I kind of prepped them to the point where like all I would have to do when I came home was like throw them on the stove and reheat them. Um, So like tonight my dinner was the chicken and it was sort of a mix of yellow squash, broccoli, some beets and spinach. And then I squeeze some like fresh lemon over it. So I kind of, I keep things pretty simple as far as like, even what I just told you is a lot more than I'll usually put into one meal, but I'll keep them simple in the sense of like, it's easy to cook. It's easy to heat up. And then I'll just flavor it. Whether that be, like I said, with like some fresh squeezed lemon or like everything but the bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's, you know, like some kind of good seasoning and flavor. Um, I do a lot of cooking with bone broth because I just love the flavor that it gives um, and so for me, it's usually about like the flavor. I keep things simple, but have a flavor that's really delicious to me. Yeah. I love
0: your crock pot chicken hack. I think that's <laughs> so smart. You're always, I don't honestly know how you do that though, because every time I've made chicken in the crock pot, even with bone broth, I don't, it always comes out super dry. Do you have a trick for that? Hmm. So you put like a whole packet or a whole,
1: um, yeah, like container of bone broth in? Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe I did it for too long. Maybe so. Check on it because, like, usually like three, three, four hours might be a little too little. Uh huh. And then like, after that, it'll usually start to soften a little bit more. So maybe like a six hours is about a good window. Do you do it on a- low or high? Um, on high until it starts like bubbling. and <laughs> Doing uh. that, then I put it on low.
0: Oh, see, that might have been the problem. I think I just kept it on high Mm -hmm. for maybe six
1: or eight hours. Okay. And did you make sure that the chicken was totally covered by the broth? Yeah. Okay. I know. know What else I do? I will add um, like a teaspoon or tablespoon, whatever, of like ghee or coconut oil to it also. So that might Mm -hmm. also help keep it a little more moist.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I know we left when we moved from New York City to California. We left our crock pot there because it had kind of died anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, so we don't currently have one. But if we get another one, I'm very interested in that idea that you do of the batch cooking of meat. Because yeah. I think vegetables can be super easy mm-hmm. to throw together. You know, they usually don't take that long to cook. So, especially if you come home after a long day and you already have the protein prepared. It would be easy to throw some greens into a skillet or to make a salad or whatever or roast some vegetables. I mean, that's – I like your approach to that a lot. So what do you – when you take your lunch, you say, what do you take for lunches? Um,
1: So I usually – it's funny. I was actually doing um, smoothies for lunches for a while along with like some snacks. I was doing that for like a year um, because it was sort of like at a time when I felt that I wanted to ensure I was getting – certain nutrients in my day. And I was like, well, this is a good way to just ensure I get like some, you know, um, servings of spinach and, and all that. So, and some like supplements and things I had purchased. So I was doing that for about a year, but what's kind of interesting and in why I bring it up is because I was starting to recognize that like, I'd be done my smoothie at lunch and I'd be like, all right, like I still want some food or something, you know, or it would come lunchtime. And whereas I used to look really forward to it, I'd start to be like, oh, I don't want to drink this, you know? And so oh, yeah. I recognized that it was just, like time to switch it up. Um, yeah. I think that, like, I didn't. I think again, the reason I bring it up is because there were a couple weeks before I changed up that I thought to myself, you know, like almost like thinking to myself, like, why wasn't I enjoying it anymore? And almost as though like it was wrong of me to not mm. enjoy it, you know. And I thought right. to myself, like, no, it's just this is a different time. I want to do something different. Like, it's not a big deal. And I think that sometimes we're so resistant to change. What we're doing, especially when it comes to our diets. But it's like if your body's telling you something, or even like emotionally, you're just not into it anymore, then, then there's nothing wrong with changing it so that you are more receptive to it. Um, So. Yeah. And you probably just got sick of it. Right. Yeah. And I was. Got it for I, so long. <laughs> right. And I would think I was tired of having something cold for lunch. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I like having, you know, a warm lunch. And so um, I will usually, I. Like I said, when I do my um, kind of meal prepping on the weekends, and I hate saying that because it brings me back to like bodybuilding days, but, oh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's like my my loose meal prepping, um, right? Yeah, my my meals are just pretty much like something I might eat for dinner is what I bring for lunch. So like what I just described to you, that I had for dinner tonight, is something that I would totally bring for lunch. And so I just kind of cook dinner type foods, and then I'll bring them for lunch and have them for dinner. If that makes Got sense. That
0: is, yeah, yeah, it does. And you have the protein prepared earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just, again, so simple. That's something else that I love about you is I feel like both of us, I don't want to call you lazy, but I would call myself lazy. <laughs> I'm always trying to find the most bang for your buck things that I can do that take the least amount of time. Yeah, totally. And I think I'm the popul- Yeah, and in the faculty room, my coworkers or different people would used to say, oh, I don't have time to cook. And I'm like, look, if you could see what I do when I go home, it is literally a joke. I mean, I spend... <laughs> five minutes hands-on in the kitchen. And I don't usually use recipes. I mean, I use onion powder, garlic powder, olive oil, salt, and pepper to flavor most things. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's kind of the magic five in my mind. And it goes a long way. And yeah, it does not need to be complicated. Right. And, you know, if you get sick of chicken in the crock pot, the next week you could prepare fish or some type of steak or you know it's just absolutely it's just just always change it up
1: yeah and I think it's like you know one of the things is like finding because for me like I don't I don't know why but I always had a hard time cooking chicken because I would always be like I don't know if it's done you know so for me like I found a way to cook it that alleviates any of that sort of like oh I have to cook the chicken you know and I have a hard time cooking fish just because again like I don't really know what to do with it. And, and like, sure, I could learn. I'm adult. I get that. But like for me, I'll usually buy like cans of salmon or cans of tuna. So like when I want to do something other than meat, I have those. And so I think it's also just about like, yes, you can learn to do certain things and you can kind of go outside your comfort zone. But if we're really thinking about like, what am I going to eat on a Tuesday night when I get home at seven o'clock and I'm hungry, it has to be something that is going to be really quick and easy for you to do and not feel like a big chore.
0: Exactly. And that's why I think recipes work great for some people. And all of those food delivery boxes, some people really thrive on those. And that's awesome. I think it's a great way to get people back in the kitchen and cooking. Mm-hmm. But for me, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. I mean, no. it sounds terrible, but I'm just
1: why? too lazy even
0: for the Hello Fresh box because it's some of them take 30 or 40 minutes to repair and it looks beautiful. But That's just, for me, maybe a special treat every now and then. It's not a sustainable daily thing. And one of the kind of one-size-fits-all principles I really think everybody needs to adopt is getting back into the kitchen Mm -hmm. and getting your hands dirty and making things for yourself. Because what you're making for yourself is going to be healthier than what you're going to find at a takeout place or You know, at your lunch, your cafeteria, at your office, or wherever. So, not that you have to do it all the time, but it's you've really got to
1: break into that zone again. Mm -hmm. And I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think that you feel so much better, or at least I'll I'll say me, I feel so much better. Like there's a certain sense of um, satisfaction when I am eating something that I cooked and I know that it's got so much nutrients in it and it tastes really good. Like there's just a certain sense of satisfaction in that, you know, because like I did it for myself. And I think the more that you do that, the more that you enjoy the foods that you will cook at home, as opposed to those that you'll get from somewhere out.
0: Definitely. And I think some people have the mental block and I know I sure did of, I can't cook. I stink at cooking. I still don't consider myself a cook or even a great meal prepper, but I said on another podcast episode, my husband is actually really adept in the kitchen. He can just throw spices together and make something amazing without a recipe. So then when I met him, I got even more intimidated because right. I couldn't make anything as good as he could. And then he would just say, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I mean, maybe the chicken will be a little bit dry. Mm-hmm. That's the absolute worst that can happen. So it's better just to do it mm-hmm. and experiment. And then as you do that, your action builds more and more confidence and you get your go-to things that you make and maybe throw in a new thing every now and then. But I mean, its I agree. It's a really powerful thing. And i I don't love the term self-care because I feel like it's been kind of hijacked as like this woo-woo, oh, I have to get a massage or whatever. But I really do believe You have to prioritize your health and you have to do things that nourish your body. Mm -hmm. And one of those things, I think cooking is a form of self-care or meal prep is a form of caring for your body.
1: Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Another thing you mentioned really made me think about your smoothies. I remember Mm -hmm. I would always take cashews just because we had them. So I would take cashews for lunch and I hated cashews. (laughs) And every single day I would tell myself, oh, these are really healthy. Right. I should be eating cashews and I would choke them down. And I was like, why am I bringing cashews? I should just bring pistachios or macadamia nuts or some type of nut that I really enjoy. You know, I should not ever be eating something that's disgusting to me. (laughs) No, no, you shouldn't. There's so many options out there. But Mm -hmm. speaking of nuts, what are some of your favorite snacks that you
1: take with you to work or just have on hand throughout the day? Um, so I'm a huge like bar person. I do protein bars all like for years. I've been eating protein bars as snacks, um, just because they're so easy to like throw in my bag. Right. Um, and so right now I'm kind of into the caveman bars and the Aloha bars. Those are the two I've been kind of, um, I guess alternating between over the last couple weeks. Um, yeah, yeah I mean nuts I'll do and I kind of go like I'll buy a bag of like almonds and then you know a couple weeks later I won't buy almonds for like you know a month but I'll buy like cashews like the next week or something um so I kind of go in phases with nuts I do really like walnuts which is interesting because I used to think I was allergic to them so I think like once I found out I wasn't it like opened up this whole new world and I was like, oh my gosh walnuts are great <laughs> They are actually really good. I feel like they're pretty underrated. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, like, just weird shapes and stuff. I don't know. I just find them really kind of fascinating. Um, So nuts. And then sometimes I will do – and I hate – like, I almost hate saying this because I feel like it's such, like, the, like, low-calorie, like, kind of diet approach. But sometimes I'll do, like, carrots or celery um, just because – As a snack, they're, like, really good to just kind of crunch on, and they're sometimes refreshing. So sometimes I will do some, like, uh, raw veggies as a snack. Yeah, those are my go-to a
0: lot when I was teaching is just throwing a bunch in a bag. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're just sitting around grading papers or whatever, it's just a good little snack to munch on. But, yeah, I agree. They're not necessarily the most palatable, but... (laughs) They'll do. Usually they're better with some hummus or something, but. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is until I discovered thrivemarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What about, do you have a go-to
1: alcoholic drink you have? Do you drink alcohol or? I do. Um, Mostly these days I drink wine if I'm drinking alcohol. um, I drink red wine. As far as drinks go, I will often order a skinny margarita if I'm out. And I order skinny because I do not like sour mix. And for years I also had... um, I kind of struggled with acid reflux for a long time and still sometimes it it comes out. So sour mix used to always like definitely um, aggravate that. But I found that a skinny margarita is usually like lime juice instead. So I feel like I'll order it because it's probably like the cleaner version of the drink. But then I also know I'm not going to get sour mix. Um, so I'll do that or even just like a Tito's and soda if I want to kind of keep it real simple. Yeah, those are we are still the same person because
0: you <laughs> are fan of red wine here. Huge fan of sometimes, even if I'm not at a Mexican restaurant, I'll get a tequila, lime juice, and soda with mm-hmm. a salted rim. Ooh. Because I feel like it gets lost in translation sometimes if you're at just, I don't know, a regular yeah. American restaurant or something. You're right. That's a really um, good idea. I never really thought about
1: ordering it that way.
0: Yeah. And sometimes, too, I know the Mexican place near us, even if you say a skinny margarita, mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, it doesn't have any sugar or whatever, it just has honey. Which, you know, sometimes tastes even sweeter than another mm-hmm. agave or something. So I'll just it's it's usually less labor intensive to just say tequila lime juice and soda than to explain that actually I honey does have sugar and I don't want the honey. <laughs> it gets into a whole thing, you know? What about so if somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking, okay, this woman has so many great suggestions and it seems like she is doing all the things, what would you say? to that person who really wants to get healthy? Like what's a good first step to take?
1: Okay. So first step, I think I would say is get clear on what getting healthy means to them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because even if, even when you say that to me right now, I'm like, well, I don't really know what that means. right? Right. Because in this environment, especially of like the diet and fitness culture in which we live, the fact is that we're inundated with so many of these purported ideas of health. So it can be very easy to kind of measure your own getting healthy, quote unquote, against someone else's version, which could be something as simple as like a yes, no food list or um, someone else's ideal body type. Um, So like, If you're measuring against something like that, and that's what getting healthy means to you, well, then like, okay, that's, you know, who am I to tell you not to do that? But, you know, if let's say you think it means one thing, and then you start seeing all these different kind of messages, and you kind of get lost in them, then you're going to start measuring your progress against these other messages that aren't getting you to where you want to go. Right. That's a really good point. So I Yeah. Yeah, I think that clarity is really important. Um, Otherwise, I think you'll never be able to feel like you're achieving health because you're everywhere you turn, someone's going to tell you that what you're doing is not right.
0: Definitely. Um, Yeah. Today, or maybe yesterday I had posted something on Instagram of these little keto chocolates we found at Costco and I didn't care that they were labeled keto, but I Mm -hmm. just liked that they had really good ingredients and they had very little sugar. So I posted, Ooh, new fun snack. And then somebody was responding to me that they actually weren't keto. And I was posting something that wasn't keto. Oh, God. And I was like, "Well, I'm not keto. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not any labeled diet. I mean, I do certain pieces of keto. I do certain pieces of paleo, I guess. But at this point, mm-hmm. it's funny because this is maybe bad to say after going through our program, but I don't even exactly know what keto or paleo, I don't even know what those mean right now. Because I feel like they've been so distorted, mm-hmm. and they mean different things to different people, exactly, yeah, so to one person, keto is not this chocolate, which I don't even I still don't really understand what that means, and then maybe it's just butter and bacon and steak or whatever, and then to another person, it's loaded with vegetables, yeah, or to another person, it's a bunch of processed keto stuff. so mm-hmm. that's what i also think is really an interesting piece of where we're at right now. And I think that's always going to be the case. I think there's always going to be the next best thing, the next silver bullet, like we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. but
1: yeah, I agree. Cause I I think that for whatever reason, these sort of truth bombs like aren't coming out, whether it's because people don't necessarily want to believe them as true or because there's so much else that's clouding them. I don't know, but it's, it's like, if it's, if, this has this kind of diet and fitness industry. I mean, it's been around for years and years. I think we're seeing a huge explosion of these overwhelming messages because of social media. But like you said, like, I don't see that going anywhere. Right. I think that what it really means is that if you want to be responsible about this, like you need to be someone who is sifting through and kind of making those or navigating it, on your own so that when you say, I want to get healthy, then you know, you know what that looks like. Um, and then I think even from there that whatever that goal is that you want to accomplish, that you're really focusing in on what you're doing to get there and not constantly thinking about the end goal. Mm -hmm. And I know that that sounds a little backwards, but I think that the process of what you're doing to get there is, and really focusing on that is what helps you kind of stay present and find like joy, Mm -hmm. if you know, for lack of a better word, in the process to kind of enjoy it, to, to be in it, to be in it. Um, and with each of those decisions that you make in the process, um, I think you kind of strengthen that like inner healthy person that I think we all have inside of us, you know? So as you're kind of like waiting for your physical self to maybe catch up, you are, psychologically and like spiritually building that mindset and kind of building that around that person that you are already and i think that like that's what keeps your healthy habits that's what keeps your health sustainable in the long term because you've done it from the inside and not from that external goal does that make sense oh 100% yeah there's
0: somebody who gave a quote that's exactly like that of it doesn't necessarily even matter that you accomplish your end goal it more matters the person you become while trying to, you know, all the small mm-hmm. steps you take along the way. And that eventually changes you, even if maybe your end result isn't exactly how you envisioned it would be or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause I think, I think that's the other thing is that a lot of times that end goal will change along the way. Right. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Totally. I think another thing
0: that you mentioned was that these kind of diets and one size fits all approaches will always be around. I mean, keto used to be called Atkins and,
1: mm-hmm. you know, there was
0: South beach diet. I don't even know what that was, but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I mean, I know it was
0: popular, but
1: it was. my I, roommate was on it. <laughs> oh really? I
0: can envision the book, you know, that was yep, like yep. in the Barnes and Noble.
1: Uh, I, <laughs> the cover of it. Yeah. The cover of it.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really, I think, The problem, or maybe not the problem, but the truth bomb, as you were saying, is that what actually works isn't really marketable as much or Mm -hmm. it doesn't make as much money as maybe selling these diets. So cutting out refined sugar and, you know, making chicken in the crock pot and some (laughs) quick vegetables. I mean, all these things we're doing are so easy and it's just really back to the basics, but it's Mm -hmm. not kind of sexy or exciting
1: Right. It's like boring, actually. It's actually, it's really boring. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I'm here for it if it takes me less than five minutes to do. It's like, I honestly, sometimes looking now at what I do compared to what I used to do, I used to work so much harder to, you know, have to lose some weight because I knew that I was causing brain fog and fatigue and all these things. I mean, just to get to where I am today. I worked so much harder at it than I do now. And it's yeah. just kind of sad, you know, it's like if I could just go back and tell you just stop all this stuff and go back to the sheer basics right. that are not that complicated.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right. Like, And, I mean, again, for me, I think the that what is a little bit different about me is that I did struggle with being in that um, binging and restricting cycle. So mm-hmm. that was really, I think, also p- part of that um, – why I struggled so much. And like you were saying, put so much time in because it was like, I felt like I was always undoing something. Mm. And then I would go so far to that other extreme of restriction that then I would like swing back the other way. So when I think about that, I'm just like, gosh, like how many years that I was in that and how exhausting that was. Um, but you're right. It's like, I look back sometimes. And I'm like, gosh, if I could have just like shaken myself and been like, stop it. <laughs> you know, Right.
0: So let's say somebody's version of getting healthy is breaking that binge and
1: restrict cycle. Mm-hmm. What would you say is a good first step for that person? So the, f- the good first step for that person would be to really stop restricting. Okay. Um, and that's going to be really hard and really scary um, because that's sort of the only way that you know how to, or that you think that you can like make up for or undo what you've done, mm-hmm. right? In the binging part of that whole cycle. Um, and so even like, cause I can tell you, even for me, when I would go through periods of time where I'd say, okay, I'm going to allow myself this or that, which are things, you know, whatever they might've been, things that I would typically, like if I were eating healthy and on the wagon, let's say that I wouldn't allow myself I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to like, let myself just eat whatever I want and see how that goes, you know? But it's like, when you've been in that cycle for so many years and you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to let myself eat whatever I want for a little while, you are going to go off the rails because you've never given yourself that freedom before. So, and I think that's what then gets people really scared and they go back into restriction mode. So it's, I say, yeah, Get, get yourself out of restriction mode, but I also say it with the complete knowledge and understanding that it's just not that simple. Right.
0: So what, when you do kind of go off the rails right at the start, mm-hmm. how do you maintain that without going back to the restriction? Is it just a lot of mindset
1: work? It's a lot of mindset work. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of choosing to, um, to make decisions for yourself that are supportive of who you are and of your body rather than um, from a place of finding fault. Mm, So that even though you may have kind of gone off the rails in, let's just say it's like, let's just say you, you know, you, you felt like you had a really good day, but you got home at night and you just totally went, you know, all out. Then you realize it, you know, that night, like, wow, that wasn't how that was supposed to go. And instead of thinking about what you know you just ate and feeling so guilty and shameful about it just kind of making that decision in the moment of shifting from this place of like gosh that sucked i feel so awful i'm so terrible what am i going to do to just kind of shifting and saying you know what what i'm going to do is let myself off the hook and give myself some grace and again so it's like just choosing to support yourself rather than to say, okay, I'm going to starve myself tomorrow because of what I did. Because starving yourself tomorrow is that decision that you make of a place of self-loathing and a place of finding fault in what you've done. Rather than saying like, Whatever I did, the, the food that I ate, the, the way that I binged tonight, like that was telling me something, you know, I think that's also the other part of it is working to figure out like, where is it coming from? Mm. So is it coming from a physical place of restriction? Is it coming from a psychological place because you feel restricted in your life and you feel like, you know, you're just running from one thing to the next. And this is the only time you have to kind of break free of that. Like, so kind of doing that work too. And, but again, I think most of it really comes from giving yourself grace and, really working to shift from that place of negativity when it comes to your body to supporting your body. And I don't want to say loving your body because I feel like that's just too like, you know, up in the clouds know, and flowery. Yeah. I tend to just say supporting your body and accepting it. I know. It's funny,
0: right? I think when you're in this nutrition and health world for so long and you're seeing all of the posts, you start mm-hmm. to have these things that really <laughs> Trigger you about the, I don't know, the woo stuff or a lot of the stuff that maybe just isn't practical or it just feels inaccessible. Yes, um, I think that's a good word for it. Yeah. But I like that. I like the supporting your body. And I like how you were talking about a health promoting diet. I like the way you mm-hmm. phrase things. Thank you. Well, I think that leads really well into where can people find you? Because this is exactly what you help people with, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on Instagram, I am Diana.christador, so just my first and last name with a period in between. Um, and then also people can find me um, in my Facebook group, which is Food and Fitness Freedom. So if you just search that in groups in Facebook, um, that's a great place. It's a group of women where we just kind of support each other through this Food and Fitness Freedom work. Um, I do live trainings every Wednesday in that group also.
0: Oh, very cool. And then yeah. you coach people. Are you currently accepting one-on-one clients as well
1: if somebody was interested in working with you? Yep, absolutely. So that would just be, again, you can connect with me on Instagram or through my Facebook group. Um, you know, message me through either one of those and we could take it from there. That's awesome. I would highly recommend following Diana because I
0: will say, even though your food is very simple, it always looks way better than mine. So that thing you made <laughs> last night with the all the vegetables that were colorful yeah. and the lemon juice look gourmet sounds <laughs> oh, <laughs> very wow. simple it looked beautiful whatever I
1: mean it was very simple and I think it's just like like I said it's the colors it like completely just like dresses up your plate I mean something worked so <laughs> you're, you're
0: doing well over there Thank you. Uh, so the last question I ask my guests is since okay. the name of the podcast is the health investment what would you say making the health investment means to you okay
1: making the health investment. So to me that would mean valuing myself enough to make decisions from a place of love and worthiness for myself. Awesome. I love
0: that. I think you know one of the mindset sh- mindset shifts I had is I get one body. I have this mm-hmm. one life that I know of and I want my body to be able to be strong and healthy and I want to feel amazing throughout it you know so I completely completely agree with you there well I can't believe it's been almost 53 minutes I really appreciate your time and yeah I can't wait to stay connected with you on the gram and to learn all of your dinner prep secrets (laughs) I will keep on sharing I promise (laughs) okay sounds good thanks so much Diana well that's all for today Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness. So let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs.